Aloha everybody, it's Annalisa Burgos here in Honolulu. I can't believe it has been, oh my gosh, um, July, August, at least two months, about two months that I've done a podcast. I don't know what happened. The world just passed me by with this COVID-19 pandemic, but I wanted to get back into the swing of things and update you on what's been happening here in Hawaii. Um, so the last time I spoke, I went back and looked at my episodes and the last one I recorded was about farming uh, and the agriculture industry and how devastating it's been for the farmers, the small farmers here uh, across Hawaii, across the state of course, a lot of the farming industry is on Maui and the Big Island, but of course we have some here on Oahu too. And um, so that was back on July 1st, and so much has happened since then. Back then, the numbers weren't that high in terms of COVID-19 positive cases, and we were doing okay, um, flattened the curve, uh, things had opened up, but then it's, tra it's dramatically different. Tra tragically, in fact, um, different because we are, we've been several weeks now with triple digit cases. Um, today was again over 200, three deaths. We're up to, I believe, more than 80 deaths related to COVID 19. Um, such a drastically different picture from what we saw just a few months ago. And what went wrong over those two months since I last made a podcast? Well, uh, first of all, everything had been opened. And so we were allowed to dine in, beaches, parks, all that. And so July 4th weekend, according to authorities, was uh, especially challenging because people were gathering, having parties, celebrating the summer, and a lot of uh, positives had come from that and spread within the community. As you know, people still continue to fly in. At the time, you know, there was talk of uh, the military families coming in and not being subject to quarantine. So that was, uh, again, one of the reasons people were saying that could have contributed to community spread. Um, also inter-island travel was was happening at the time and yeah it's it's just so different from just a couple months ago now so since then you know school first of all school started for most schools uh, public schools I know for sure because my kids um, are in public school here in Hawaii and they there was some debate about whether it should be complete distance learning when school started and for how long. So originally the plan was to have in-person learning. That was changed because of a backlash and just criticism from parents and teachers actually who felt that they were not prepared enough, their classrooms were not prepared enough for in-person learning during the pandemic. So the Department of Education did agree to hold distance learning for most students. The exceptions were only, you know, those 
with disabilities and special needs children because they really need to be in-person learning. There just wasn't um, the option for distance learning for a lot of the uh, disabled children. So so that's that. That was with schools. Uh, there was a lot of discussion about that. The Department of Health is in disarray. And from the previous podcasts, I don't know if you've gleaned that there was a lot of criticism of how the department was handling contact tracing. So there's this two, there's two camps of thinking. There's Dr. Sarah Park was, is our state epidemiologist who basically oversees disease outbreak investigations. And so her thought process was all, had always been, you know, using contact tracing to just manage cases when they aren't, the numbers aren't that high. And, uh, she, I, she just felt that, um, they were already well staffed for it. Um, that was in very stark contrast to what others thought, uh, the people in that camp include you know, Lieutenant Governor Josh Green, um, Haima people uh, that just felt like the response should be greater. Certain medical experts also. A lot of the um, people that we've interviewed from the East-West Center, they've also disagreed with how Dr. Park and Bruce Anderson, who is the director of the Department of Health, how the, the two leaders have been kind of leading the pandemic response and contact tracing in particular, and testing. To be honest, um, testing was also kind of the sticking point because it continues to be primarily uh, limited for people who have symptoms. And so that there's a debate on that as well, and which was interesting because the city and county of Honolulu, uh, led by Honolulu Mayor Kirk Codwell, has been fighting to get more testing available for the masses because of the communities that are very dense, including public housing, uh, Kalihi was one, uh, it just kind of these communities where there's multi-generational households, uh, cultures that are, you know, just very focused on family. And so they, many families live in one small space and it's expensive to live in Hawaii. So uh, the houses itself aren't that big. So that's, that's a challenge for a disease, um, for fighting the disease because it just, again, cultural values as well as um, prevention measures like wearing masks and social distancing is just foreign for some people, uh, especially in Hawaii, you know, where everyone just is very, you know, they love to hug, they love to kiss, they love to just be near each other. It's just that feeling of aloha. So. You know, it's, I find it so interesting because this podcast really is about my search for aloha um, as a transplant, as a quote-unquote outsider to the community, and as I try to navigate my way in the community and meet people and learn more about the culture, it's interesting because this pandemic, this virus, has really kind of thrown into question what that what that means for a lot of people uh, because one we are a tourist-based economy and that's obliterated there is no tourism right now I mean very very little 
if you want to count the people that are essentially just coming here to ride out the pandemic. So we're talking about people that have means to remote learn and remote work and, you know, rent out a place here. A lot of um, vacation rental owners have been, you know, skirting the law and offering Airbnbs and rentals to people that want to work here long term, at least through the pandemic. People from New York, people from hotspots like Florida. And that's also caused an interesting kind of tension between uh, locals and outsiders because the, you know, on one hand, this, this uh, state really is reliant on tourism money businesses, restaurants, retail, especially here in Waikiki where I live, that is just, you know, the, the, the main source of income for so many people. And a lot of them work in the hospitality industry, hotels, and with no tourism coming in, especially from Japan, um, all the hotels are shut, most of them at least, the only ones that remain open are, are mainly these small independent um, hotels that you know just kind of rely on on essential workers that are coming in, like airline workers as well as uh, doctors and military contractors, construction people that are coming in. Uh, so they have that steady essential worker base. But for the most part, tourism is dead, and right now. I didn't even mention that we are in the middle of a lockdown. So because the numbers of number of cases had gotten so bad over the last few weeks, the city and county of Honolulu has had reinstated a shutdown of non-essential businesses as well as beaches and parks and trails and all this stuff, which of course caused a huge, a huge backlash from people saying that, you know, you can't close those kinds of things off if, if they're outdoors and it, it promotes exercise and it's for mental health and just, you know, <clears throat> it's just so many people against that. And for some period of time, at the same time, the gyms had still stayed open. Theaters were opening, and um, so there was a debate as to why those business were businesses were allowed to still operate and shut. You could still shut down the parks and the hiking trails, and you know all this. But um, the argument had always been, you know, the some action against social gatherings. Um, they felt that that was the the main cause for community spread people not willing to wear masks um, in group gatherings and so yeah honestly there was just so much going on and right now we are in this um, shutdown until Wednesday that was a two-week shutdown um, in order to do mass surgery mass test sorry mass surge testing so that's the other thing so um, after you know the debates of testing and why we shouldn't be testing more broadly, the feds came in, and the U.S. Surgeon General was here last week talking about you know how we need to do surge testing to identify vulnerable populations, and 
they gave us 60,000 tests at first. That's been boosted to 90,000 now. Uh, it was originally a two-week program. Now it's up to three weeks of surge testing. The Honolulu Fire Department is leading all of this efforts, uh, these efforts and sites all across the island, mainly parks and public housing areas, including Aloha Stadium. Uh, they even shut down the freeway, the H3 freeway, which is a major thoroughfare federal highway that runs from Pearl Harbor, uh, the joint base that's at Hickam, all the way, it goes from there to Kaneohe Base, the Marine Corps base on the windward side. So that entire freeway was shut down on Tuesday and Thursday to do surge testing inside the tunnel system there because you know it was shaded and they could um, stage, have a staged area there for, for all the first responders handling the testing. But yeah, so that's been going on here. People, I went actually on the second day of testing and it was pretty fast. Uh, at first it was strange because it was a walk-up site. It wasn't the typical drive-through. And it was daunting at first when you walk into the line because there's a lot of people waiting in line. So you think it's gonna take a long time and you're around all these people, but it actually moved pretty quickly. And they were, they were pretty organized. And the swab, the test itself is an easy one because it's just a, uh, nasal swab, not the nasopharyngeal one that goes all the way up to the back of your throat, like all the way up your sinus. I've had that one done too, and that was really um, uncomfortable. But th these ones where you give to yourself, they were they were pretty painless, and I had that done, got my results three days later. The challenge there though is, okay, so this is surge testing where you don't need to have a reason to get tested. Um, it's not about, you know, having sy symptoms like a diagnostic PCR test. This really is about getting a sense for, for asymptomatic uh, cases. So they're encouraging people just to come out and, and do this. The challenge though is that the tests are being sent to the mainland to be analyzed. So your results don't come in till three days later. And I'm finding out from DOH that those positive cases coming out of the surge testing events, um, they're delayed another day or so. So in essence, they're getting the, the results five days later, which kind of negates the point of contact tracing because you're supposed to follow up with a positive case within the first one or two days to ensure that it doesn't spread. So the my contact at the Department of Health had said that that's added additional burden to them because they've already had so many cases to begin with that they can't keep up with. So, you know, just a lot of different issues. I think we are, if I'm not mistaken, I, I have to double check the numbers, but I think we're almost to 100,000 cases. And so that's been disturbing. There's a huge outbreak over in Hilo at the at a VA home. And so that's been sad because there's six people that have already died related to that outbreak. And another thing that we talked about today on the news, um, the show that I anchor every weekend on KITV is the issue of um, short a shortage of health workers. So that's another kind of problem that our island is facing. People always wonder, 
when they where they when they don't live here, and I, I understand because before I lived here, I didn't really know much about the culture and the and how things work here on the islands. But they wonder why we we are so against people coming in and taxing the resources. And it really is because there is a shortage of resources, and it's it's their islands, so you can't really bring in things right away. Um, like you would on the mainland where you could just drive in things here they do have to be flown in um, additional resources so uh, that's that's the other kind of challenge it, we're kind of like this small petri dish that if something happens it spreads really fast and it's harder to contain so that's what we're seeing right now and so the focus you know interestingly enough early on when I was doing the podcast a lot of my focus was on the businesses and the economy and how it's just been devastating but that's shifted because of the focus now on health and the numbers and people scared and um, also just trying to stay at home and and not infect anyone uh, you know we do get a lot of people who say that the positivity rate is still very low so an interesting thing to note is that from all this mass testing, only about, I think the latest stat that we had was only about 0.6% have tested positive, which is good because that kind of shows a lower prevalency of the, of the disease here. But it's probably too soon to tell, um, you know, at least extrapolate any of the information from that data. But what's important to note is we are getting the data because big criticism over the last few months is that our numbers were so low and yet we were not getting a lot of info in important data that we could have been using already um, so that 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 was one of the other kind of criticisms that we had with with the few months that we had zero to single digit cases it just feels so different now and again the, sh the focus has been less on the economy I mean, we still are talking about the economy, don't get me wrong. I think it's just been now overshadowed with the, with the health conversation. Um, restaurants at this point, they're just not opening because they feel a lot, well, there are some that are open for takeout and they're just kind of riding it out. But a lot of restaurants have decided to close or just wait till tourism comes back because it's just not, the, what they call the Kama'aina economy cannot sustain a lot of these businesses because the locals themselves don't have jobs. So it's just kind of this cycle. People, you know, are, are just having their regular jobs, um, you know, working, work, working class. We're not talking about, you know, uh, wealthy people here. These are just your average working people. And that's the difficult thing because the cost of living here is just so high. And at the same time, you know, we hear stories about celebrities and wealthy people that are coming here to ride out the pandemic. And so that's kind of kind of the interesting dichotomy we're seeing here in Hawaii. So again, you know, what it's this it's a September 5th today. And people are just trying to get through it. It's bleak. Um, even as someone who works in news, I just, you know, we all suffer from this kind of COVID fatigue. 
um, where we're just waiting for a vaccine or we're just waiting for herd immunity. I mean, it's just, again, mental health is so important, I believe. And just seeing it within my own family, of all of us staying home, working from home. I mean, it's taxing, it's, it's tiring. And I hope all of you are staying healthy and staying positive. I know it's hard. Um, I try to look at the blessings out of this. Again, I get to see my family more. We're not running around, um, you know, usually doing all these different kind of activities and, uh, you know, you know, just shuffling in and out throughout the day. We're actually spending time together doing projects, gardening, baking, cooking, um, just so much of what we hear other people doing. So again, I hope everyone out there, you guys are staying safe. Um, I've been trying to focus on, on doing some more of these vlogs and uh, podcasts to try to share what's, what I've learned and also connect with other people. Uh, but that in itself has been difficult. Oh, I forgot. In the middle of all of this, I also moved just because our former place was just so crowded uh, now that everyone's at home. Because in the past, we people were out, and so the a small place wasn't that bad. Uh, you know, having lived in New York and L.A. and Singapore and, and just kind of places that are dense, urban dense places, uh, I'm used to having small apartments, but when you're at all at home doing distance learning and working from home and all this, it is just really tight. <laughs> so we had to move to a new apartment so that we can have more space. Um, and so that is another added transition and stress to the family. So again, aloha to everybody. Let's stay safe and take care of each other. And uh, that's it. That's it for me today. Aloha.